Welcome to the second episode of the Life with COVID podcast series brought to you by Investec Life. Today, we'll be looking at the relationship between cancer and COVID-19 vaccinations. I'm Kathy Mushashana. This is a discussion on balancing the risk from the delay of cancer treatment versus risks of COVID during active phases of the pandemic and resource allocation for cancer patients. Delivering cancer care during the acute phase of the COVID-19 crisis has been challenging given the competing risks of death from cancer versus death or serious complications from infection and the likely higher lethality of COVID-19 in immunocompromised hosts, including those with cancer. Today's podcast will discuss issues related to safe outpatient care, cancer screening, diagnosis, post-treatment surveillance, and other issues in cancer survivors during the pandemic and issues related to COVID-19 vaccination in cancer patients. As always, my experts are on standby and ready to help us navigate our way through this important conversation. Investec Life CEO, as always, it's a pleasure. Michael Humans, welcome. Hi, Kathy. And Professor Carol Ben, the head of the Helen Joseph Breast Care Clinic at Helen Joseph Hospital, who's also recognized internationally as a leader in breast disease. Carol Hello to you too. Hi, Kathy. So we're looking specifically at vaccinations and there's been this whole drive globally and also nationally to get people vaccinated, as many people as possible. Let's first begin with perhaps some of your thoughts around products like severe illness and just given your knowledge of cancer, COVID-19 and vaccinations, how do the two interlink or relate with each other? So I'm fortunately married to someone who is a little bit of a vaccine expert. You mentioned expert earlier, you know what they say about experts. X is an unknown quantity and a spurt is a drip under pressure. But, <laughs> but, um, the, the, Charles, um, has done a couple of sessions with me on, on grilling me about what I should know and shouldn't know around, um, vaccines. I think, um, there's not a cancer patient who shouldn't have the vaccine. In fact, I would go so far as everyone should vaccinate. The vaccine doesn't cause cancer. And the reason why is it's not preventing you. It's like any vaccine. It's not preventing you getting the disease, but it will definitely cut down your risk of being really, really sick. The important issues are in people who are on active oncology treatment. And by that, I mean chemotherapies that need to speak to their oncologist to work out the timings of the vaccine. So we generally want their white cells and their immune cells to be up. So it's literally just before they have their next chemotherapy a couple of days beforehand. So we want that from a safety point of view. I had many phone calls. In fact, I saw people on the weekend who was like, I'm on tamoxifen and I'm on this and I don't know whether I should vaccinate and that absolute thing is vaccinate. Then there were questions about which arm I should have it in if I'd had cancer surgery on the one side. It really doesn't make a difference. A lot of people felt little enlarged glands after the vaccine and we often saw those on the mammograms and ultrasound. I had one or two unusual things we saw, not cancers, that we're currently writing up, um, but they are very canary rare and not frightening or concerning at all. It's merely about documentation. 
So vaccinate cancer patients, people who are on treatment, speak to your doctors so that you work out the timing and particularly people who are going to need to come into hospital for surgeries. Carol, I, I saw you sneak it in there that the vaccine does not cause cancer. And of course, it speaks to the myths that people have had around this vaccine and all sorts of misinformation and disinformation about why, you know, the vaccine is supposedly dangerous. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. More, so, I think like I said, it's not my specialty. So I'm going to copy on what my husband has grilled me on. There, there are whole heap loads of myths. I think the nicest one I had was when one of my anaesthetists said, "Please, God, may it give what's it, three or four, five G, whatever it is, because the reception in this theatre is appalling." Okay, so it doesn't. Okay. Um, it doesn't, it's not really changing your cells. My best um, explanation of it is like gym. A vaccine is cell gym. You give a little bit of a recognizable dead substance, okay, not taken from lots of babies or anything like that, and um, your cells recognize it. They do gym, so they recognize it, so all your cells recognize it, so that if you are exposed to the virus, then because you are fit with the gym, it means you're not less likely to get sick. So that is the story around it. Michael, let's talk about how cancer impacts severe illness cover and life cover. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite well known that uh, these days, not just in South Africa, but globally, cancer is one of the leading causes of death, yeah, which which clearly then gives rise to life cover and potential, potential payouts that that provides. But it's also one of the main conditions that illness cover products, uh, which would typically pay out to you if you have one of these, uh, if you contract an illness, you don't have to die from it. It's when you contract it and you're diagnosed with it, the illness product would pay out uh, a fixed amount. It's not looking to pay for the cost of treatment or anything like that. It pays you a pre-specified rand amount or a percentage of a rand amount based on having an illness. And cancer is the one of the biggest causes of illness in this country and globally. So the growth is we expect by 2030 uh, almost a 70% high increase in cancer. So let's just talk a little bit about what causes cancer. It's a combination of genetics and environmental factors that happen as a cell level. So as we get older and people live for longer, we're going to see more cell changes. So for example, one in three men at 80 have a prostate cancer and one in seven women at 70 have a breast cancer. What's interesting for me is all the young cancers I see, 18 year old, 20 year old boy with metastatic breast cancer, 24 year old girl with advanced breast cancer. And these are people who are not got strong family histories. So 65% of all people who get cancer have no identifiable risk factors. So don't sit there ticking a box of I do everything right, therefore I'm not going to get it. That's why you scream. About 20% have what we call random family histories. How can I explain it? It means you've got cancer on mom's side, cancer on dad's side, uncle is this, auntie is this, granny is this, a young cancer in family. And it's a bit like opening a lock, which is why when we look at genetics, we're not so good at working out exactly what is causing this cancer because it's a combination. We will get better as we start looking at more details of the genomes and having a look at combinations. And only 10% are single isolate genes. So with breast, it's about 6 to 8% of that is BRCA and about the other 2 to 3% other unusual genes. So why is there so much cancer today? Because guess what? We're not living in the 16th century. You're not climbing up chimneys and you're not as women having babies 
babies at 13 and dying in childbirth, having no teeth by 27 and dying at 30. So because we live for longer, we have our kids older, we see more cancers. Michael, in the first part of the series, we focused on the importance of screening and why it was important for clients to actually ensure that they are caught up with their screenings. Vaccinating has been an incredible debate globally, and I imagine it presents a whole set of um, dynamics that you have to manage. So for your clients who are not vaccinated, do they still retain their cover? How are you placing yourself in this debate? The answer to that from, from our perspective, I can't necessarily speak on, on behalf of every insurer, but, but from our perspective, our existing clients, once they're in, they're covered. Because the whole principle about having insurance is that it needs to be there for you during the bad times, right? What you don't want is an insurer who pulls the rug out from under you when you really need it most, right? So our, our whole principle is once you're in, you're in. And you should have the peace of mind that you get from having a policy with us that it's going to be there when you need it. It's a different debate for new applicants or people who want to want to buy insurance for the first time. And, and maybe we can come back to that. But, but for existing clients, whether you're vaccinated or not, whether you've had COVID or not, once you're in, you're in. We promise to pay you X if something bad happens to you. And we've got to honor those promises. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of having cover with us? Yeah, I like that. I think that is an honest and fair policy. It's it's going to be a debate throughout the world, and I don't know that anyone has answers. I like that our country has a robust right to choice. I really do like that. But again, I would encourage people who don't have answers to go to reputable sources to find it. And I think what I recently saw an article, and this is not the first time we talk about the impact social media has had on management around this pandemic and particularly around vaccines and vaccinating. But again, um, please question ask questions and look for reputable sources. So, Michael, we've talked about the debate about getting vaccinated, and it's great to hear that existing clients don't have to worry. They're covered nonetheless. What happens for new clients who are trying to get uh, cover with Investec Life? It's an interesting and a very topical question, Cathy, and it's one that all all insurers are considering at the moment, and, and we may see different companies take different views on this. The Investec view is that we are very pro-vaccine. we we believe in the benefits of it uh, in this pandemic. And one of the real ways to help the world, never mind South Africa and businesses here, get out of it. However, we, we personally haven't made a decision yet as to, as to what we're going to do with new applicants, whether we offer cover, don't offer cover, or charge more, charge less, depending on their vaccination status. And I think we're going to see that evolve over the next matter of months, not, not even years. Um, what I will say, though, which, which we've spoken about previously, is that um, there's still a lot of uncertainty just around how the pandemic is going to unfold, uh, what's going to happen. We've, in South Africa, just come out of a, a third wave based on the Delta variant, and we're not quite sure, you know, what, uh, how many more waves we're going to get. Is it going to dampen down? Uh, do we need vaccine rates to pick up more before it does? Are we going to get multiple waves and the need to, to have future booster shots? So there's a little bit of uncertainty, but I think the space will change over the next six to 12 months. And of course, our conversation for today is emphasizing the relationship between cancer and COVID-19 vaccinations. So Carol, do vaccines cause any delays or have any impact on radiological examinations? No. So I think what we need to realize, and we're very fortunate in this country to have good radiology, is in 
people who've had the vaccines, you may pick up an enlarged lymph node on the side of the vaccine. And then really what we do is we just tell them to have a short-term follow-up ultrasound to have a look and it'll usually subside and come down. So we're encouraging people to screen. We're encouraging people to vaccinate and what we want people to do is to know that by doing both, we can pick up and treat cancers earlier and better. I think that's the message. The one thing again that we have seen under COVID-19 is the very agile response, criticized as it may be in some parts, but there has been a pulling together of the whole of society in response to the pandemic. What are the lessons that you think we could really draw out of that, particularly where we are a country that has a heavy burden of disease, HIV, TB, diabetes, the list is really endless. I love this country, so I, I get often asked, you know, will I leave and I have opportunity to travel? But I think we're an amazing country because we give forward to people and we're acutely aware. So what I've seen in my government side, people have donated glass fronts and cleaners and um, sanitizers and masks so that we can manage to service people who most need it. I think that's amazing. From food to equipment. I've literally worked every single day through. We've been able to offer service throughout the entire pandemic, both in private and government. I mean, I opened my entire private unit up to my entire government patients. We saw them all off-site um, on the weekends because they were nervous to access government hospitals. So really, we managed to look after people in need because there's nothing more frightening than going through a cancer diagnosis and double it with a pandemic must be extremely hard. So really shout out to amazing patients and society, including Invesic, people who've just come forward and helped. The development, the quick development of a vaccine, some see as opportunity, especially for the medical field in terms of what it says about where science is globally. And, you know, then you'll still get questions of, but why is there no HIV vaccine? But what is the opportunity that this development really has, has set for the medical sector? So I'll tell you a little secret. Okay, so coronavirus vaccines have been around over 20 years ago. So um, it's just there's never a need. Things are about health economics. It's a bit like you have vaccines for some of the viral hemorrhagic fevers. Okay, because there was a massive need, it means that companies were involved with other vaccine processes, put them on hold. So we were very involved with full genomic testing of patients here so we can tell them about ultrasound Alzheimer, dementia risk, cancer risk, etc. It's all been on hold and moved towards sorting out PCR testing, vaccines and that type of thing. So it's been around for a long time. Why can't, and again, not my field of expertise outside my box, but different viruses behave differently. So an HIV virus is a completely different type of virus going into the cell and doing... So when you have different bugs that are behaving differently. It's a bit like, yay, malaria, now malaria vaccine, TB, different types of TB, fungi, parasites. There's so many bugs out there. You have to work out the right ways to treat them. You can't give one antibiotic for all bacteria. 
And a virus is not a bacteria. It's little, it's tiny, it's clever, it's fast, okay? And that's why you have to change your approach to managing it. Michael, you must have been watching the development of, of, around the vaccine quite closely as well, because up until then, the uncertainty that you speak about was even greater. You know, how long will we have these severe restrictions? No word yet of a vaccine. It certainly has brought a sense of calm and direction in terms of where the country's going. Mm, no, very much so. And uh, and I think globally, many of us were surprised at how quickly they, they were developed, but properly developed. You know, going through proper triple phase testing and the like, it's it's amazing how the human population has been able to adapt to, to try and head new illnesses like this off. Well, I believe that brings us to the end of the second episode of our three-part Life with COVID podcast series brought to you by Investec Life. Join us for the last episode of this series where we take a look at the long-term implications of the COVID-19 pandemic on cancer care and treatment. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investic Life Limited is a long-term insurer and an authorized financial services provider.